This is Playing Around with Paige Renee. Everyone, welcome back to another episode of Playing Around. I'm your host, Paige. We have Pro Tour and Josh with some <laughs> marital issues. I heard you're sleeping on the couch. How's your back? What's going on with that? It's 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 a it's a mess. It it it's I I can't completely blame COVID, but uh, yeah. I mean, it started. You you know, it started earlier, and then it, Thanksgiving was what we thought was getting away was just packed into a ranch, and it got worse again. And then, I swear to God, it just it was a snap. So I, we couldn't, we could, we just couldn't be around each other anymore. So I took my son. We have a daughter and a son. I took my son, and I went to my mom's four hours away. I just, I just bolted last this whole last week, and just had to, we just had to breathe it out, breathe it out, and. Um, it, 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 it's just brutal. It's, um, you get perspective, you stop, you know, you go to your mom's, then you get to feel sorry for yourself, right? Cause you're, <laughs> cause well, I mean, and, and Paige, I think it's different for you. I think your mom and dad roles are, are like swapped from my yeah. mom and dad roles. So like my mom, you know, come here, honey, and make some soup and your bed's already Just completely babying you and which is probably Coddling. nice at first. But at the same time, it's like, okay, I need to like grow up again and handle like real life, like what's happening back home. To totally, exactly right. And so w the one thing is, so uh, my dad passed in January, but you know, he were all they they were living in the same hometown. So I got up a couple days ago, bright early, 36 degrees, and I just went to my golf course that I grew up on that my dad, you know, was a member at, and I just grew up there. I played so much golf there. So I just said, you know, I'm just going to get up. I, I, would, I put on everything I wore because it was freezing, and I went and just um, asked the pro, hey, do you mind if I just grab my clubs and just play? And he, he you know, he knew my dad very well, and he was all – teary eyed and he was like yeah go 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 and so I my dad was the the ass kicker right my dad was the lawyer that told that told me the right hey you're being an asshole or you're being a jerk or whatever and so I I I, I tee off on the first hole and I, and I hit it in the in the trees and I have to I either punch out straight out or I or I tried to be a little bit more aggressive and I tried to be a little bit more aggressive the way I the way I would have played instead of my dad and I and I, uh, I hit it and it didn't work out. And I said out loud, I know, I know. And I was like, what? I, it just came out of my mouth, right? So I basically used that round. I talked to my dad the whole time. And it was amazing. It was like a therapy session. And it was the best therapy session in the world. And, and I, then I had to stop feeling sorry for myself. Because yeah. I mean, for some reason, he got to me, and he—I spoke. I, it was amazing. Um, it was an amazing round, and it, and then I so I packed up the kids and came back home, and I'm I'm just we're just gonna problem solve, and I'm just not gonna I'm just I'm moving on. I'm moving forward. Isn't that crazy how golf can do that? I feel I kind of had this epiphany two three days ago, and I 
golf brings me so much peace. There's so many times where if I'm struggling in my life, I go and hit golf balls and it brings me so much clarity. It's a therapy session for me, especially playing like an afternoon round by yourself. And it's right, you just kind of have to work your way through the round of golf, good or bad. And that's kind of how life is. It's like, you're gonna get those bad breaks. You're gonna be frustrated. You're gonna be happy You get those highs and those lows. And I feel like golf mimics real life. But then there's also times where golf is the main source of all of my anxiety and my depression. And it's like, how can golf do that to you where one day it's your savior, it's your safe place, it's the place where you feel the most peaceful. And then the next day you're like, I'm gonna break all my clubs. I'm never gonna play golf ever again. And it's such a toxic relationship. And I think anyone who plays golf understands that where you have those days where you love it so much and the next day you hate it so much. And I think it's the best thing for you when you're struggling or going through something because like I said, you have to work your way through it like you do in life. I, I completely agree. And it's so funny when you think about all of that. And I, I read your tweet and you had that, it's so funny you had that tweet just recently because I was thinking <laughs> the same thing that golf is, has been so many things to me, for me. Um, and when, when, when you really want to like play well, like, it's somehow like, wait a second, I helped you when you were sad, but don't get cocky. <laughs> yeah, golf always humbles you. It always finds a way to bring you back down to earth. But we actually have a pretty interesting episode today. We have Riggs from Barstool. He's going to be on. I have a match coming up with him, so I'm sure there'll be some shit talking there. And then we have Robin Reigns. She is the VP of matchmaking at Three Day Rule. So, Tori, this one's for you. I mean, we brought this guest on for you. So I'm sure you have a lot of questions. (laughs) I mean, there's plenty of questions to ask her. And then Josh, I'm sure you can ask too. Because I mean, mean, the way your marriage is going, who knows? Like you have some options. So we'll see. (laughs) Wow. Paige is not the person to call when you are having um, any kind of a tiff with your spouse. She's like, I got a great matchmaker. Don't even worry about it. Have you met my friend Robin? (laughs) I'm just going to say allegedly uh, the whole time. Yeah. (laughs) Allegedly, if I'm divorced at (laughs) what's next steps for me. (laughs) Allegedly, if I'm kicked at my mom's house right now for the past week. (laughs) But 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 it'll be a lot of fun. (laughs) The matchmaker's from L.A. too. So, Tor, this is like in your garage well yeah totally and also you live in la so talk about mom's house here we go Uh, here's what we're doing okay the deflecting to josh you're getting a little dry throat over there because you're drinking some water now get a little a little uncomfortable i'm allegedly thirsty (laughs) but we'll talk relationships in a little bit but first this is a golf sports podcast so we'll just get right into it we have the mycova classic Victor Hovland, he won at 20 under, one ahead of Aaron Wise. Hovland birdied the 18th to win, and he's 23 years old. Hovland is a crowd favorite. Everyone kind of roots for him. They love him. Uh, He reminds me of Roy McIlroy, if 
Rory was a stoner. I feel like they kind of have that vibe. Nice. I got but that. I, I that. <laughs> yeah, you see that? I love Victor Hovland. He's a young player. I think he has a lot to give. I think he's going to have a really successful career. One thing I really enjoy about him are his interviews that he gives. I think he's so open and honest. And it was funny. They asked him, like, you looked like you had nerves of steel going down 18. You made that birdie to win. And he was like, I was fucking nervous. Like, I was so nervous. I was shaking. I couldn't feel my hands my arms but I I did it and it was so nice to hear a pro say that because they always give these typical responses to the interview and it's always like you know one shot at a time and I was focusing on the process and it's like bro shut the fuck up like you know you were <laughs> nervous we know how you were feeling like be honest about that I don't think it shows any vulnerability I think it actually makes you more relatable and we need that you need someone who's relatable out there to connect with that audience and I think Victor Victor Hovland has definitely done that I I love him like I, I'm all in on Hovland I I, to, I totally agree I love it he's like the next generation player sort of across the board and it, it, when he won it was kind of like he, he didn't have a lot of emotion, but he kept wiping his eyes. I mean, like he was really, he was crying and he was just happy. And, and then, and, and like you said, with that pressure, he said, I don't like those positions. I'm not good in those positions, <laughs> but it's great that someone that just made, I mean, that, that was a, I don't know, eight foot birdie and he just canned it and he, he did it. And then when, when someone like that, who just won says I'm terrible in those positions, it's really <laughs> nice for us to hear. Yeah, it's like they're just like us. They struggle just like we do. Even though we made birdie, I probably would have made double. <laughs> <laughs> I would have never been in the position. Yeah, I would I would miss the cabin long, long gone. <laughs> I love yeah, his it, I love his game. It, it's um what do you think of his swing? That's what I wanted to ask you and his posture. I, I think it's great. I love these guys that are coming out and swinging their own swing. So he came from OSU just like Matt Wolf did. And Matt Wolf also has a unique swing. And it's cool to see guys doing things a little bit differently compared to you would see the same swing over and over and over again. And I think it puts more emphasis on the fact that you can swing your own swing and be successful. And I want more young players to focus on that because when I was playing junior golf, we were all striving for that Tiger Woods, Adam Scott, perfect swing. And I didn't have that. It, it didn't fit the way my body was set up. I couldn't get in those positions. And I spent so many hours literally blood, sweat, and tears on the driving range trying to perfect my swing and get it in those same positions. And it just was never going to happen. I wish I had someone who taught me to swing my own swing and play. Go out and play. And I hope that these are example for all the up and coming golfers who aren't spending hours trying to get the perfect golf swing on the range. And instead they're playing for money out on the golf course. And I think that's my biggest advice for a junior golfer. Don't worry about having the perfect swing. You can see these guys, there's so many different swings out there. So go out, play. Work on your putting, work on your wedges and play for money, play under pressure. And that's the best thing you could possibly be doing. There you have it, juniors, go out and gamble. <laughs> I'm all for that. All for it. But seriously, like any time that you're putting yourself under pressure is is great. But I that was my biggest regret was focusing on getting that perfect swing. And every time my mom would sit back there and videotape it and I had to hit every position. And it was just such a waste of time. It was such a waste of my talent. It was such a waste of 
literally everything. I wish someone told me, get off the range and go play. That's the best thing you could possibly do and not worry about hitting every single perfect position. So let me ask you about, um, what did you think of the golf course? It looked really hard. Like, it I don't know how these guys scary. It was terrifying. were going this low. That it looked narrow. There was like water. The greens looked tiny and difficult. And they're just going like 20 under. It's insane. You see these golfers and you don't realize how good these pros are. They are exceptional. Amazing. That course looked hard really really hard that thing looks like hunger games or like harry potter tri-wizard <laughs> tournament like in your yeah. those those walls of trees look like they could just grab you and pull you in i mean at any given that in my opinion that looked like a a hunger games fake course it looked so scary it, it looked like one of those courses you de design on a video game and you're like how hard can i make this but then they were eating that course up it's insane and it just shows you that what you see on TV is not actually, I mean, we could go play it and it couldn't be all that hard. It could look a lot more open, but I don't think that's true. <laughs> I don't yeah. think that's true at all. Like, I think I would, I think about how I would play that hole if I was a pro and I'm like, I would hit that in the water. I would have <laughs> snap hooked that drive. It just, these guys are so good and they hit the ball so, so well. Like, so I play at True North and to me, it's a difficult golf course. And then I played with Max Homa, and he shot, oh gosh, maybe like a 63, 64, easily. Didn't even think about it. He didn't miss one ball. If you could draw a straight line down every fairway, he was maybe two or three yards left and right every single time. Didn't miss a shot. And I was like, you played really well today. He's like, eh, I mean, I played fine. I left some out there. And I was like, is this course really hard for you? And he's like, no. Like, this was a really easy golf course, and guys would eat this go golf course up. And it just made me realize, I was like, man, I really suck at golf. Like, I, <laughs> <laughs> I am so bad compared to that, like, next level of golfer. I think if you are a scratch golfer, a plus one or a plus two, we, we talked about this last week with Steph Curry. The jump between being a really good golfer and an exceptional golfer is astronomical. They are a thousand times better than a really great golfer. It's it's insane to see a pro play, a, a high-level pro play. It, it just makes you feel worthless and like you want to quit golf forever. It's, I, I, had, I, I had an opportunity to, a couple of years ago in Sacramento to play with a kid that just, he got his card. He got invited to six tournaments, didn't make, so he, he had just come off the tour, right? He got his card and lost it within a year because you don't get any invites and there's a whole thing about it. But we, we played golf at his home course, which was a, was, it was a hard course. And he shot 60 and it was, I was, he was boring. It was, it was, it was like, it was unbelievable. And I was, I was looking at it yeah. and I was like, how is th this whole card is circles. It's all circles, <laughs> but he didn't make anything amazing. He just, they're, they're just so much better. And he couldn't even, he couldn't even keep his card. Uh like I said, it's incredible to see how good those guys are and women too. I mean, that next level is play that people have never seen before. And even I'll hear people say, oh, I played Tory and I shot a 72. I could play on tour. And I'm like, no, you can't. They make the fairways narrow. They grow the rough up. They cut the fairways down. So it's like hitting off glass. The greens are quick and they're firm. 
they put pins on slopes. It is just, they changed golf courses so much. And so even though these guys are maybe shooting the same scores that you're shooting, it's a completely different golf course and it's, it's insane. But I'm glad Victor Hovland won. He, he's a guy to watch out for. So keep, keep looking for him. And he, he's funny. He just makes me laugh. He's just like a goofy kid. And I love that about him. Okay. Enough, enough golf talk for the day. You know what? Honestly, it was kind of a bit of a boring week in sports nothing compared to last week last week was just like fireworks left and right I would say I mean the Giants beat the Seahawks and then you have Jalen Hurts taking over the QB position for Carson Wentz but besides that I mean there wasn't really any too big stories in professional football we have a little bit of a crazy story that happened but Josh what, what do you think about that uh well you are missing one one big highlight, which was the uh, end of the game touchdown pass, end of game touchdown pass for the Raiders to barely beat the 0 and 11 Jets. And um, I got to be honest, I didn't see it. I didn't had to even watch, watch the, the game. No, I had it. I recorded it. It's still recorded. But I said, look, my Raiders playing the worst team in the NFL. There is no upside to me to watch this. There's just no upside. They have, they should win. They're supposed to win. That everything's going, I couldn't watch it. So I have it recorded. I never ended up watching it because I just felt like I couldn't take any more bad news. It's funny because there's been so many good teams or decent teams that have been close to losing to the Jets. And somehow the Jets just find a way to keep losing. Um, but they've been close. There's been so many times where people are like, this is it. The Jets are going to win. And then they, they just, they don't. They're just, they're going to lose every game this year. <laughs> every single game. Can you imagine? Like suiting up and you're like, let's go play hard to lose again. Let's go try to win one. <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, I, I can't even imagine. Yeah, and other news, though, we did get the Steelers-Ravens game. It finally happened after being postponed multiple times and rescheduled, and it was kind of a huge mess, which we talked about. But Steelers won. Again, we are still undefeated. Still undefeated. Would you knock on something? Please, God, knock on wood or something. They need to lose. Okay. They, I'm hoping that they lose the game today. It's interesting, though, that the game is blacked out. It's not on TV anywhere where I'm at. So the NFL definitely hates the Steelers. It's just they <laughs> hate them. Wait, why is it blacked out? I don't know. It's just not on anywhere. Huh. It's the weirdest thing. It's not on TV here. Can't find it anywhere. I find that really, really hard to believe. Monday Night Football. Because the NFL hates the Steelers. <laughs> I'm going to say it once again. They hate the Steelers. They okay. hate the Steelers. Okay. I'm just That's the narrative I'm going with, and I'm going to stick with it. But that's your and, vibe. You like that. You like to be hated. Like, that, that, that eggs you on. Some guy left me a comment, and he's like, I know I'm just one person, but I want to tell you this anyways. You talk about being hated too much, so I'm not going to listen anymore. So he's not listening to this, but I did get the message, and it's true. Maybe I need to, like, not be so hated or put takes out there that make people so mad, but that just makes me happy. And in quarantine, <laughs> I'm going to do what makes me happy. So sorry to that one person who has decided to stop listening, but I'm going to continue doing what I do best, NFL Hates the Steelers. Okay. <laughs> so we also have Floyd Mayweather is going to box against Logan Paul. 
I can't. What the fuck? Like, name He's things a- I never want to see in my entire life. That is one of them. Isn't he undefeated? Yeah, he is. But it's like, why would you box against Floyd Mayweather? Why Why would Floyd Mayweather want to box against Logan Paul? That's, that's, doesn't make the, sense. that's the real question. Do we know? Yeah, that, do we know why? It's a money grab. I think it, there's going for to be. For sure. Yeah, there's going to be so much money um, thrown around for that fight. But it's insane that that's actually a thing that people want to see this happening. But what if this is Floyd Mayweather's first time losing is against a YouTube star? I mean, your career is over. That'd be worse than me losing to Riggs. (laughs) (laughs) Yikes. I don't think he is going to lose. I don't think that that's, I mean, well, look, first of all, let's talk about the fact that uh, that boxing is doing something that golf's been trying to do with the match and all that and bringing back these celebrity you know you saw tyson and roy, uh, and roy jones right did you see that which was yeah. a uh um what do they call it exhibition thank you Ex- yeah exhibition game and it was a draw and then this um what is logan paul jake paul paul i know they're both my- there's two of there's two of them yeah, my- yeah so his brother fought in that exhibition matched the one before. So he was the fight before and he ended up winning. And so he then called out Conor McGregor and then it was released that Mayweather's going to fight Logan Paul. So they're fighting the biggest fighters in the world, legends. It's insane to see that someone with a YouTube following or social following can make this stuff happen. It just shows how powerful that young demographic is that everyone is reaching out to get now. And the fact this is even a fight that people are talking about this is still just like mind blowing to me. Well, what do you two think of those boys? I know my daughter for a while liked liked one of them or both of them or whatever and followed them and whatever, but what do you two think of those boys? So I did an anti-bullying talk at a high school and this was right after Logan Paul filmed a person who um, committed suicide in this forest. It was a huge controversy. Logan Paul was almost canceled and I was asked by these kids what I thought about it and I said that if you have a very large following with a younger skewing audience you have to be careful with the content the content that you put out there and I thought that he should have been punished more Uh, by YouTube, by his sponsors, or he needed to do, there there needed to be some form of consequence that was bigger than what he got. And I ended up receiving death threats by all of these kids in that high school that they were defending Logan Paul. And so ever since then, I have absolutely hated him. Because if that's like the fan base that he has, where if you criticize him, they're going to like literally attack you and not just like silly, stupid schoolboy bullying, but like actually horrible, horrible things. I just don't think that they're like really good people, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I don't really care, but it's gonna be great entertainment. Yeah, I'm all down for some good entertainment. (laughs) Yeah, they're like the two biggest performers they're just going to bring a show. Yeah, I wonder what real boxing fans are going to think about this. Or are there just not that enough to care? I think this is a great way to get more people into boxing. Even though... And, and it's hard because you asked how I, how I view them as people. I don't know them personally. 
this could be all for show and this is how they make their money because you have to do like shock humor nowadays to keep relevant and you have to have those scandals and those controversies so maybe they're not really bad people but they're just brilliant businessmen and they know exactly what to do to get the views to get these um fights that are happening i mean it, whether you dislike them or not, it's like the Kardashian effect. You have to respect them for <laughs> putting themselves in this position to make a shit ton of money. Like, a shit ton of money. Yeah. So, it will be an interesting fight one way or another. But we do have another story that's been making its rounds. Did you guys see the high school kid take out the ref? <sighs> I, I got a lot to say about that. None of it's good for football insane i well, i want to hear what you have to say about it first because he is now in jail for assaulting the ref so he was uh called out of the game and he was upset by that so he ended up going full force towards a ref and just basically like body slammed him to the ground um and then he was taken to jail <laughs> Yeah, because those kind of people, I mean, whether he was chemically um, altered or whether he was, uh, has, has some chemical problems with his head, the thing is that, okay, so that kind of stuff can happen, right, when someone loses it. Yeah. My whole thing is that high school football, I think, is kind of like the devil because it, mm -hmm. it is the home base for all of that stuff. It's the home base for... I remember guys that had serious problems that needed help, but they hit, hit people so hard that they were so valuable to the team. They had a home in, in, in violence. I think, I mean, it's, it, for me, it's just another example of like this weird thing called high school football. I think they're, they're, they're boys just shooting through puberty and then it's just violence and it's not only um, encouraged, you succeed when you when you when you're better at it and i just think that's just that's just sort of part of the playing ground what you get when you have that i i i agree with what you're saying and i think he did that and wasn't expecting the consequences that he was going to get i think he probably thought that he was almost going to be praised for going out and doing this because it was, you know, an unfair call and that's just what you do. And it's toxic masculinity. I mean, you fight or you play hard on the field, but once the whistle blows, doesn't mean you can still continue to act that way and, and be that way. And I think a lot of people kind of cross those boundaries of like what you can do and what you, you shouldn't do. I mean, he ruined his whole future in that moment by one stupid stupid mistake i don't know if he got caught up in um the adrenaline of the game or what was going on but i mean he's done playing football for the rest of his life i know that we have a guest in the waiting room so i just want to quickly pick your brain on one last question but do you think the whole the whole team should have been now taken out of playoffs or do you think it should have just been individually based i think it should have been individually based because if you watch the footage, when he ran and hit the referee, you didn't see other players from that team go in and assault the referee as well or mm -hmm. say things to them. They went and they grabbed the guy and tried to take him away. And also they tried to separate the teams as well. So I think it could have escalated into a much worse situation. And I don't think that was one person shouldn't ruin it for the entire team. 
I, I would say Pro Tour that the team suffered and they maybe they shouldn't have been kicked out of the playoffs, but the head coach certainly should have. I think you got two people to blame on that on that and it's the kid and the head coach. So I feel bad for the players. I don't think they should have been been kicked out of the playoffs, but I think the head coach needed some some repercussions. So in a way, I feel bad, but I, I don't feel that bad. Yeah. I don't know. I don't really, I was asking where you guys, cause I just don't know where I stand on it, but I definitely do agree that it should have been maybe just head coach and the player rather than the whole team. But oh, it was so hard to watch. Hey, look, that thing might actually save him. This, this thing, you know, you PG, you said his, his football career is ruined and, and maybe it is. And maybe it isn't, maybe he wasn't that good. I mean, high school, anyone can play high school football. Um, but maybe this saved him. Maybe this this tripped up something in his head. Maybe it's maybe it is a drug thing. Maybe it's a psychological thing that this went too far, and now he can look at something. Maybe. Mm. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Or he just got mad. And he was <laughs> had some anger issues. Uh, again, who knows? I, I feel I feel bad for everyone on that team, though. It's just kind of a hard situation to go through but we're gonna break up some of our sports talk with some relationship talk we have robin reigns joining us today she's the vp of matchmaking at three-day rule and she's gonna tell us a little bit about what goes into matchmaking and how to find tori a boy <laughs> getting ready to take on spring Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. and Josh are really excited about our next guest. We have Robin Reigns, VP of Matchmaking at 3 Day Rule, which is a matchmaking website. So Robin, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, thank you for having me. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm very excited to be here to chat with you guys. Um, I think we have a lot of overlap between golf fans and possible single men who may be in need of a match. <laughs> Yeah, so can you explain what three-day rule is and how it differs from traditional dating apps and websites? Because I know a lot of my friends, and even back in the day, I was always on Tinder, and now we have Bumble, and we have so many different things going on right now. It's hard to keep up with what to do and what's best. Yeah, so three-day rule is a modern matchmaking company. So we work with clients all over the U.S. who basically come to us because they are too busy to waste time swiping and going on bad dates. So it's a lot of guys who, you know, maybe they don't have any trouble getting dates. They probably could go on dates every night of the week if they wanted to, but they get there and very often they know within five minutes that this date is not for them. And so we wanna save them a lot of that time, a lot of that frustration. So they sort of outsource their love lives to us so we can just queue up the best of the best for them. So what's the process like when someone yeah. signs up for a three-day rule? 
So first they sign up on our website. Um, they make a really short private profile. So it is, it is not online dating. So no one sees this profile besides me and my team. Um, and then they meet with someone on my team who basically is actually not a matchmaker. So we have a team of people who are kind of like the matchmaker of matchmakers. And it's their job to get to know everybody who comes through our door. So ask a ton of questions, you know, all about your dating life, what you're looking for, what you're all about. Um, make sure that we have a good mutual fit. You know, we actually don't work with everybody. And that's something that's really important to us. We want to work with the type of people who we feel confident that we can have success with. Um, so if we decide that there is that mutual fit, then the next step is to be paired with the right matchmaker on the team. So we have a huge team. There's actually about 40 matchmakers and every matchmaker is a little different, right? So we want to make sure that the people who we pair them with are going to be kind of the right woman for the job, um, has the right connections and the right approach. Wait, Robin, where are you finding these pool of men? Or women. <laughs> like, are you guys on like Tinder for us, like swiping through being like, this guy's cute? Or do you guys have like your people that you so, tap into? Well, well, a little bit of both. So we we have a huge database. There's about 150,000 people in our database. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we have a really good starting point. We've been building that pool for years and years. And um, basically, every time we work with a new client, that's kind of the first place we start. But the matchmakers are also recruiters. So you're never going to be limited just to that database. We are not on Tinder swiping. <laughs> I think we're, <laughs> we are looking for a higher quality than that. Usually, we really do want people that are very relationship-minded. Um, but you know, a lot of times, actually, social media is a big source for us. So um, our men will usually show us photos of women that they've dated in the past <laughs> or women who they've No way. Dated. Oh yeah, because we want to get it right, you know? So we want to know your type. Um, and then it's very common for a matchmaker to kind of slide into those DMs and say like, hey, <laughs> are you single? Um, and let me just tell you, it does go over a lot better when we do it than when a guy tries to do it for himself. Um, yeah. Because, you know, it's like women- Guys have no game. <laughs> yeah, preach louder for the people in the back. Say it again, Robin. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> exactly. And, and we can kind of talk our guys up in a way that they don't want to talk about themselves. Um, so it's oh, sort of like true. This, this wing woman for you um, who's not only out there trying to approach people, but then she's really weeding them out. So- a lot of the guys we work with, they complain that sometimes, you know, they see a woman on an app and then she doesn't necessarily look like she did in those photos. And and we can get to the bottom of that first and make sure people really catfishing. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. insane. That's so funny. So I back in my college days, I pride myself on being a good matchmaker and I sucked at it because it is it is so hard because you just you don't know how people are going to click and they like certain things like how do you do that? I think that's probably the most yeah. difficult job. It is a really hard job. It's a very, very fun job. But I do think, yes, people kind of underestimate how challenging it is <laughs> um, just because it's also really important. You know, people are putting something really important in our hands and we definitely don't take that lightly. Um, I mean, if you're just in college trying to match people up, like you don't have the resources to do it. You don't have the database. It's very challenging. And I think also if you're matching friends, you even if you try not to be, you're gonna be a little biased, right? You sort of want it to work out. Cause you're like, oh, this best friend and that best friend, if they yeah. get together, then like we can all be best friends, right? Um, but we, we can really be sort of like an objective third party. And, I think part of being a matchmaker too is 
learning to understand people in ways that maybe they don't even understand themselves. So if you come to us as a matchmaker, of course, we want to introduce you to people that you're going to be very excited about. But there is always a chance that that's going to come in a little bit of a different package than maybe you expected. Maybe part of the reason you're single is because you're picking the wrong people. And so you have to have this, this trust in your matchmaker to say, all right, let's test something out a little different this time and, and see if it works. Well, Robin, when you, you when you said that you go yeah. for the wrong people, I looked exactly at <laughs> right at Tori because Tori goes for the wrong type of guy. So do you go for the philosophy that opposites attract, or yeah. do you like more of the common ground? Oh, that's a good question. I think there's going to be a mix, right? Like, I don't think two people that are exactly the same they might get along at first. But what I see a lot of people are actually looking for in a relationship is somebody who can push them and challenge them, somebody they can grow from. That's probably not going to happen if somebody is your mirror image, right? So bringing something a little different to the table so you can both sort of become better people with different things going on, I think is really important. Um, but you can't be opposites on the fundamentals, right? You have to have the same values when it comes to family, maybe similar philosophies on how you spend money and how you like to travel. Um, so I know that's kind of a skirting the answer there a little bit, but I think there's both. <laughs> there's both opposite and then I think complementary sort of um, traits. Robin, how are you setting up dates right now in COVID? Like how, how are people actually meeting up? Are you doing more virtual now? Yeah, so we are, we're, COVID is keeping us on our toes, that's for sure. Um, every month or week, it's different. In every city, it's different. Um, so I'd say, you know, back in March and April, it was pretty much all virtual dating. So we didn't know what was going on. People were coming to us and they just were doing FaceTime dates, video dates. And we were, now I'm not surprised looking back on it, but at the time we were surprised like how many relationships were actually, actually blossoming this way. Mm -hmm. And it was almost like our the way our grandparents dated, right? Like you had to take it a little slow. The physical stuff was off the table. You had to get to know somebody. You maybe had different conversations. You talked about new things that you might not talk about if you were drinking or you were thinking about getting physical. So it was really, really cool to see how that happened. I think we're starting to go maybe back to that a little bit now, but over the summer and through the fall, dating didn't look a whole lot different than it did last year. I think people did more daytime dates. They went on walks and got coffee and things like that. So it's a little more like PG rated, I guess. <laughs> um, but now, yeah, we are starting to see people getting back to the virtual, um, but but also still going on those walks, maybe meeting on a Saturday afternoon, um, things like that. It's definitely still possible. Um, and the connections are totally still growing. I, like I said, probably even more than they were when um, dating was just all kind of, you know, you go out, you get drinks and things go from there. Um, <laughs> it goes a little bit more, a little more, people take things a little more seriously now. Josh is like pretty quiet. Yeah, <laughs> I know. He's just taking this all in. Like, uh, actually, I'm letting you guys go. I, I have questions of my own, but I, I, one of them being, well, two, actually. First, is three-day rule come from swingers? Yes, exactly. Wow. I think you might be the first person who ever, like, guessed that. <laughs> what is uh, that? So in the swingers movie. Swingers is a movie. It's a movie? <laughs> I've never heard of it. Really? Yeah. With Vince Vaughn? 
No. Oh my gosh, oh. you gotta go watch it. It's still, it's a classic. Okay. Um, but they talk about how, you know, you should wait three days to call a girl. Um, and basically we're just poking fun at that idea, that rule, like we are a no rules approach. Some people ask me, oh, does that mean I have to wait three days before I have sex with them? No, the answer is no to that. Um, we are not advocating for any rules. Got it. So okay. So the no rules at all then. You guys just like let them do what they want to do? Well, I just basically by saying no rules, I guess I really mean no games, right? So, Got you know, it. we okay. want it to be a straightforward approach. We're not saying wait three days because that's going to be the magic way to make her fall in love with you. Okay. So I have one other question specific and um, to you're, you're in Los Angeles, correct? I'm actually in New York. Okay. All right. So that's different again. So Los Angeles. <laughs> people versus New York people versus Chicago versus Denver. You're all over the country, right? Yeah. How much of a factor is it what city you live in? Um, how much does that go into effect? Because I know LA people versus New York people, sometimes oil and water. Yeah, that's on a very individual basis. So most people that we work with are looking for somebody local. Um, but if you are someone who's bi-coastal and you spend time, you know, between San Francisco and New York and you're open to meeting people in both cities, we absolutely can accommodate that. But usually people just want to meet people within their own city. And we have a, a, a database that's large enough in each of the cities where we operate that we can do that. And one, one more then. Um, so you've got, from what you're saying, you've got a little bit of science, a little bit of psychology, a little bit of like intuition right all exactly. your you said all your matchmakers are a little bit different so you have you all can be things. a matchmaker <laughs> <laughs> I, it's it how do you um it, is there any like golden rules that that your 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 company sticks with i mean anything like that you guys believe is sort of um the answer or or a better answer Ooh, that's a good question i think you know it's important when you're coming into a process like this that you are ready to kind of trust your matchmaker. I think that is the golden rule. It goes back to what I said before. You know, you're not the person you end up with might end might be in a little bit of a different package than you expected. And I think with the apps these days, we've almost trained our brains to make really quick decisions about people and just swipe, 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 swipe until something catches our attention. And we really shouldn't be treating dating that way or people that way. And so sometimes people come into this and they have to remind themselves, okay, I'm going to like slow down and take a step back and realize that I'm looking at a whole person from a 360 degree point of view, rather than just like whatever is going to catch my attention fastest. We, we have a lot of conversations about that because Tori and I, we like someone who looks a certain way. And sometimes we always questions like, does that make us shallow? Do you need that physical connection? How yeah. important is that physical connection compared to the emotional connection? I think they're both important. I definitely am not trying to say that you should end up with someone you're not attracted to. You have to be attracted to your partner, absolutely. But I, I think we've probably all experienced it, right? Where somebody that maybe we didn't think was cute at first ends up growing on us as we get to know them. There's definitely something that's very like sexy or alluring about somebody's confidence and other qualities that you're not gonna see in a photo. And vice versa, we've all met people that were like, ooh, you know, they're really cute. And then they open their mouth and we're like, oh, <laughs> never mind." So, you know, there's, there's definitely the attraction level, but I don't think, you know, your, attract, your attraction to a photo, it doesn't really mean anything when it comes to whether or not the match is gonna be successful. 
I feel like I like hit a hit a timeline where like I'm dating someone and by like the second or third date I'm like eh, I'm over it or like I panic. Do you guys offer any kind of like not coaching but just like where I could like hit you up being like I'm panicking I actually do like him or but I don't know how to go about this. Like, are we allowed to reach back out or is this something oh, where yeah. you guys are just kind of the matchmakers? No, no. You would have your matchmaker's cell phone number and oh, wow. moment, you're panicking. Don't tell me that. Don't her. tell me that. <laughs> yeah. It's you like 2 a.m. So she would want to walk you through that. And so there's kind of two, two sides here to the coaching. So you actually have a date coach. Um, so every member gets a couple sessions with one of our date coaches and those are an opportunity to really go deeper. So if you notice that that's a pattern for you, that might be yeah. a topic to really explore with the coach. Um, but then as it's happening, the matchmaker is there for you to kind of walk you through it. You could text her, you could call her. Right. Um, ultimately it's cheesy, but your success is our success, right? So we don't want you to sabotage anything. We want to make it work for you. Um, yeah. And so that's why kind of being a matchmaker is like a 24 seven job. Wow. I mean, cause you probably have to teach people how to date as well yeah. I think with everything being on apps and through social media, it's just a DM and that's kind of it. And no one really does normal traditional dates anymore. And I, there's been dates that I've been on where the guy's really great, but either they're nervous or they just don't know how to like carry a conversation. So you kind of equip them with all of those tools to make them a better dater. Totally. Yeah. yeah. We, sometimes we have to help guys kind of find their edge. Um, so they can actually, they can attract the girls that they want to attract. I I have a question, sorry to cut you off Paige, but you know how like right now, like everyone's living back at home with their parents or like you, I don't know. Like, I just feel like there's like the rules of dating have changed in these past few months. Like what are the red flags you give now to someone who's dating? Cause I feel like you'd be like, Oh, he still lives at home with his mom. You'd be like, okay. Like. Let's just keep that in the yellow zone. It could eventually be a red, it could be green. But now that's like not a red flag. It's like, I get it. I'm furloughed. I don't have a job. Like I am living at home with my parents. Like what are the new red flags in COVID? Yeah, I think you're right. We might want to, we might be a little more easy on those people that are at home. Um, I think we're still looking to see like, okay, are you at home and are you like bragging about your mom doing your laundry and making you dinner? Like, are you feeling really comfortable with this situation? Do you have a plan to get out of there? Um, I think those are the factors that kind of, that move that situation between red flag and green flag territory. Have you ever, have you, have you ever just um, had a client and then said, Oh wait, we got snowed. This, this person is, we, we, we should never have said yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. This That's person's funny. a psychopath. So we've never had a psychopath, but I think the, the problem, the problem is when people come to us, maybe thinking they can buy a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Like if you have to remember, we are still dealing with in reality. Right. And so you know, your matchmaker has a huge part in your success in this process, but so do you. So the people have to kind of bring it and be their best self. And if they think they're just, if they have like this kind of entitled attitude, that would be an example of somebody that we wouldn't want to work with. Yeah, cause I mean, I, I think people have a misconception about matchmaking. So you have those shows on TV, like, um, what was it? Million Dollar Matchmaker or, oh, yeah. you know, stuff like that. <laughs> 
And do these guys, when they reach out to you, are they do they want that connection? Do they want to meet someone who is at their same level? Sometimes I feel like guys only want like arm candy or they just want someone there and they don't want to do the effort of actually going to search for someone. Are those the guys you kind of weed out and they're like, nope, like we, we don't want you on this. Like we want the people who are actually looking for a relationship. Yeah. You know what? I think we're really lucky. I think part of our, our brand, it does seem probably a little bit more modern than that old school idea of a matchmaker. (laughs) And we don't tend to get a lot of guys like that, that are just looking for the arm candy. We are not the stereotype of like the rich old man looking for young, hot women. Um, We want people who genuinely are looking for a true relationship. And so most people come to us, they are looking for that. And maybe that does have to do with the apps too. Like if your goals are really superficial, maybe the apps do work for you, right? And so people who actually want something with more depth are seeking out a different way to do it. So we have a fairly large male audience and I'm sure they're all dying to know what's the most common thing women tell you that they want in a man or a future partner? Ooh, oh my God. All right, there's so many things that come to mind, but one thing is a guy who can take initiative. So I think yes, we love that. It's very, very common. So I think a lot of the women that we talk to, you know, they've got a lot going on for them too. They've got great careers. They've got full lives. They're pretty independent. And so sometimes it's nice to be able to just lean on someone a little. Like I hear women say, I don't care where we're going to dinner tonight. I don't care what time, just make a damn reservation and I will be there, you know? Um, and I think, I think it's that initiative, that ability to plan and go after what you want is so, so attractive. I'd like to uh, take all the guys right now. We're like, okay, <laughs> I'd, like to take, I'd like to take the initiative on this question right now. Um, <laughs> let me ask you what, what do you have qualifications for your matchmakers? I mean, do they have to, are there any degrees or courses or anything like that? So usually it's people that have some sort of background in, you know, something that would help them to have insight into people. So maybe it is a psychology degree. Um, We do work, we do have a lot of matchmakers who are former therapists, social workers, um, but it doesn't necessarily need to be that formal either. You know, people who have even sometimes we find like marketing degrees, like people that have like kind of ability to kind of think creative, be a little bit scrappy, um, also make good matchmakers. Ultimately, we want people that are very intuitive, who who can kind of understand people easily, who are warm, who someone wants to open up to. And then you have to be a hustler to be a matchmaker. Cause like I said earlier, we're just sliding into people's DMs. And if, if that's gonna be something that embarrasses you, you can't do this. Like we are nothing if not shameless. love that wait how like what's your age group like i'm kind of i'm humbling myself in COVID and realizing that i might need help but what is the age group here are we doing more divorced men are there more single young um most people actually that have never been married so it's usually people in their 30s and 40s probably starting like mid 30s um we've worked with people in their early 20s all the way up to in their 80s believe it or not oh i love that (laughs) yeah and i am seeing a pattern of more people coming to us younger and i think that's because the novelty of the apps has sort of worn off and there are people now who are in their late 20s who have basically been on the app since college and they're sick of them already and they got sick (laughs) of them faster than you know somebody did five years ago 
we always talk about like relationship red flags or things that people worry about or something that's holding them back from finding love. So like for example, Tori wants to date a number one draft pick, and I'm like, that might not be the best it's thing not for true. you. That's <laughs> not true. <laughs> but what's one of the biggest holdups that you tell people to not worry about to pursue a future with someone? That's a good question. I think um, one thing that I see pop up a lot is that people are quick to write someone off and maybe not give them the benefit of the doubt, right? So somebody is running late for your first date and he sends you a text message 15 minutes before and says, hey, I'm going to be 15 minutes late. Do you say, okay, it happens to everybody. I'm going to let that go. Or do you immediately say, forget it, date's canceled, you know, never talk to me again. <laughs> of course, like a pattern of lateness is very different. Are you guys laughing because Tori did this? No, I'm <laughs> laughing because that is my biggest like pet peeve. If someone's late, I find it as like a sign of like disrespect. And I'm, I'm more of a person who when little things happen, I don't brush it off. I do tend to make it into a bigger deal. So it's just funny that you're saying that because it's something yeah. I'm working on and right. I can see other women sitting in that situation. Like they made me wait 10 minutes. I never want to talk to them ever again totally. when and it's listen, just like life gets to you sometimes. A pattern of lateness is not excusable. A pattern of not being respectful of your time is not excusable. But one time things pop up, um, I think you want to make sure you're giving somebody the benefit of the doubt. Do you think that women need to be more... I don't want to say laid back because I do think sometimes that guys will gaslight them or there's so many things that will happen. But I also see on the other side where something like that does happen where they're like, they're 10 minutes like that's disrespectful. I never want to see them. So how do you kind of like coach them through that and show them like where the red flags are and like then what is actually okay? Yeah, I think sometimes just being a sounding board is really helpful because you know, we've all done it where we, we see one negative thing and then we totally blow it out of proportion. And we're thinking, you know, five years down the road and you picture, oh my God, I'm going to be standing at the altar and my future husband is going to be an hour late for our wedding ceremony. <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, that's not what's happening here. <laughs> so you're mad about something that you're imagining. Um, so I think some, it's like, we talk about that and it, it seems so simple. So sometimes having that matchmaker who's just in your back pocket who you can call and you might not you might feel like these issues are silly you don't want to call your friends about them all the time but it's literally your matchmaker's job you paid her to listen to you through these moments and so having that that friend who can talk you down is really helpful well, Robin, we really thank you for coming on today. I think we were all very fascinated by this process. I'm sure Tori will probably sign up. I might make her <laughs> yeah, sign up. We'd love to match you. So where can everyone find you? And also, can you can people request for you to be their matchmaker? How does that work? Yeah, so I am one of those matchmaker of matchmakers. So I do am one of the people that meets everybody who comes through our door. So there's a few of me on the team. So if you go to our website and sign up, it's just threedayrule.com. Um, you create that private profile. It takes like two minutes. And then um, you will be assigned to one of the matchmaker of matchmakers on our team. And they'll schedule the meeting with you. And then if you end up deciding that this is something you want to do, she'll pair you with one of the matchmakers on our team. That's so exciting. I'm sure a lot of people are going to be really interested in this. Uh, it, I like the fact that it's not just where you set them up and that's that. You know, you kind of coach them through it. Because dating's hard. Relationships are very difficult, as we all know, because we talk about that a lot on this show. Oh, yeah. We're very, very hands-on. 
Well, again, we want to thank you so much for coming on today. We really appreciated it. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Robin. Thanks, Robin. So, again, guys, if you are interested in the matchmaking service, go to www.3dayrule.com slash pagesporanic. I wish we had longer time with her because one of my questions, but I, Paige, I'm going to throw it to you. One of my biggest pet peeves are when guys at dinner go, tell me about yourself. Because it's so generic. And I'm like, do you want to hear about when I like lost my dog at the age of 12? Do you want to hear about like, what <laughs> I did today and what I put in my coffee? Like, what do you kind of wish are like two questions men would more hit on a first date? That's so hard. And I think that's what makes this matchmaking service, service so great is that they're going to help you go through a date because it's really hard to go through a successful date because that could be a question that bothers you, but mm -hmm. I don't mind that question. You know, I, I think it's fine because it's so hard to have these icebreakers and like, where do you start on a date? Do you start with like childhood trauma or right. do you start with like what you had for breakfast? Like how deep or how do you get into that? And so I think that's really hard. I think one thing I really like and something that's really important to me as someone who has uh, strong family ties. And so when someone asks me about my family, I really enjoy that question. So that's a really great question, I think, for, uh, you know, again, it's hard because I, that's something I really value, but some people have family issues and that's a sensitive subject. So again, I think it's really personal and you just kind of have to feel it out with like the person you're on a date with. I think that would probably be my advice then is see how the date is going and then base your questions off of that. Don't just have the same five questions you ask every single girl or guy mm -hmm. on the first date. Like mix it up, try to listen to what they're saying and then base your questions off of that. So be a good listener. I think that's really important. Hmm. Josh, uh, uh, Josh, I any thoughts? Sure. I wasn't listening. No, I, I do. I actually have a lot of thoughts. I think a lot of men need uh, a matchmaker. I would, if I, totally. if, let's just say I went and everything went wrong and I got divorced. I would, I would totally just, just out of straight curiosity of what people see of me. So like when you, what you just said, pro tour, like, tell me about yourself. Well, guys are awkward, right? They don't, they don't want to screw up getting laid. Right. <laughs> uh huh. So like in dating and especially in LA, like all of my, I my brother's divorced. I have, I have friends that are divorced. I think they all could use a matchmaker and it would save, right. it would save a lot of time if, if they were looking for a new relationship. And that's the other what? thing is that guys can't admit they're looking for a relationship. Well, and I think it's really great for a lot of guys too. And, and women, I think it's just great for everyone because we have these ideas in our head of who we want to date or who we want to marry or who we want to be with. And it could be very different than who we imagine. And I think we close ourselves off to new potential partners because they don't maybe physically look the way we want or that they have a response to an answer that's not okay. Or for me, they're 10 minutes late and going through the process, it kind of opens up your eyes and your horizons to a bunch of new people that maybe you never thought that you could date. And that could be the person that you end up marrying or be with. So I think this is really great. So guys, girls, everyone go check out this matchmaking service. I'm just curious because Again, it's like, who am I been dating the wrong people all these years? Like, did I, I did I not know? Like, it really makes you think and it makes you wonder. It's like, how much better could my relationships have been in the past? Or just to have someone to talk to because you have your girlfriends or your guy friends and they don't really give a shit like what's going on in your life or they're not really there to help you and they're struggling too. So it's like to actually have like 
a professional guide you through this process is like really comforting uh, for me too. So I, I, I think everyone should go check it out. I think it'd be interesting. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Okay, so we have, can I say my close personal friend? Riggs, can I, can I steal your line there? I would be honored if you called me a close personal friend. That feels great. I mean, usually big timey, so I don't know if we're actually friends or not, but I like to think we're friends. Yeah, I mean, you use, you throw this term around all the time and claim that I, that I big time you every time we get a chance to, when I don't, I don't think that that's correct. We've had some, you know, look, we've had a, um, very much a fun adversarial type relationship on the internet. So I think that, um, kind of playing that up and, and understanding that we are both very competitive and like to beat each other. And I may be still a little bitter that you made me um, jump into a pond in a thong in New York. So <laughs> that could be sort of a lingering issue. I'm not sure. I mean, but if you think about it, your ass looked really good. So I, I think I actually helped you because no one was expecting that cake from you. Yeah, hockey, you know, hockey ass. That's pretty much if, if people are familiar with hockey players in our bodies, we may not be, we don't have impressive upper body strength, but our legs and our quads and our asses are pretty solid. So I did, you know, look, I did a preview the night before because I figured that I would probably lose. And I was trying <laughs> to, on the camera, play up the angles as best as I possibly could. And, you know, you got to try to show the cake if if you've got it and maybe hide some other things. So I'm, I, I appreciate you saying that. It's very nice. For the people who haven't seen the video, Riggs and I played a match against each other and Loser had to jump into this nasty ass pond in a thong. But here's my question because you only brought one thong. Was that a shared thong? Like what, how was that going to happen? Or was I just expected to strip down? Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 <laughs> I'm not, it's a good question. I, I would have guessed, I think in my brain, I just assume you always are prepared with the, that kind of uh, garment. So I didn't really, I was going to handle mine and figured if I won, it was up to you to kind of figure it out. Oh, good to know. So <laughs> we have played together quite a bit, but I realized that I know almost nothing about you. I know that you played hockey at Harvard. And then how did you start working for Barstool? And then why did you decide to go into golf instead of st sticking with hockey, something that you know better, I would assume? I'm significantly better hockey player than I am golfer. I think people would probably, um, I guess they'd probably be surprised to see me, you know, play or skate just because I don't, it's not a big part of my um, public life or job or whatever. But yeah, I mean, look, I played hockey and I know you can relate to this with golf and and we've talked about this at length about kind of your decision to, to get more into golf in terms of recreationally enjoyment wise you know you sort of learn what fun golf is right and I've had some friends who who played golf women men who who played very competitive golf and it's incredibly individualistic and it's a grind and then they kind of learn 
you know, at, at maybe the age you did in their 20s or in college or whenever that that there's this whole other crew of people that play golf like we play golf which is just to have fun it might be with drinks it might be just match play if you do you know slice one out of play and you make double like it doesn't matter whereas when you're playing in tournaments your whole life that's like you're looking around at at your coach or your dad and they're kind of glaring at you and you're rattled and it ruins your whole fucking month and and instead there's this other world of golf where it's like no we're just out there to have a good time um and i found that really when i was in late high school i would say um my my older brother got into golf he's four years older than i am and when he was in college and i was in high school um his college buddies played a lot of golf and you always want to do what your older brother's doing so i just started kind of we got the bug every summer we both played hockey so in the summertime was kind of our off season and we would work out train whatever and then we would just play golf in the afternoons and just became obsessed and then to kind of um you know, bring it back around. It was hockey. Once I realized I wasn't going to play in the NHL when I'm in, you know, college, which is my dream is what I thought I was going to do my whole life. Um, you kind of get burned out a little bit, you know, you finish school and it's, it's not like I'm going to go play. I, I decided I didn't want to go play or try to play semi-pro hockey or whatever. And we just played a ton of golf and became obsessed with golf. It was kind of the way to get your competitive fix um, something to work on and, and from an athletic standpoint, try to improve upon. You learn about the swing, you would grind in the range, whatever. And it just kind of filled that void, I guess, from what hockey was for 20 years of my life. And, um, and I just became obsessed with the game. And then, yeah, once I got hired at Barstool, uh, I, I sent Dave Portnoy hundreds of emails, had to be hundreds <laughs> of emails. Uh, I started my own blog. I, I worked a sales gig in the, in the Boston area. I hated it. And I was like, man, these guys at Barstool look like they're living the dream. I would rather just do that. And I started my own blog. I updated it all the time. It had nothing to do with golf. It was um, kind of world news, political. So you were doing more politics, right? Originally got hired to do that. And look, I had like yeah. studied a little bit. I love, I do love campaigns. Um, you know, I, I find the theatrics around it and kind of the competitiveness and the, I find it fascinating in the strategy. So I am very into kind of political campaigns and stuff. And Barstool, Dave had a very clear no politics policy across pretty much the whole company. He was like, we're here to make people laugh. We're here to comment on sports or stupid clips from the crowd or somebody gets hit in the face with a baseball and it's funny as long as they're okay. We're not here to like piss off half the country by taking political stances. And I essentially had curated this blog and was like, look, there's an ocean of content out there. This was early 2016. So um, from Trump to Hillary, it was like, it was this chaotic world of news all the time that Barstool wasn't covering. And I was, I had written over a thousand blogs and I had proof that like, this is how I will do it. And he responded one day to one of my emails. I was like, all right, stop emailing me. What do you want to do? And um, I worked for free for a couple months and ultimately got hired full time. And then after I got hired full time, I said to him and to Keith, who was our editor-in-chief at the time, you know, by the way, I love golf. Is it cool if I write about golf? And they were like, yeah, if it's good, we'll publish it. And um, that started. And then in February of 2017, Trent and myself, who were the only two people at the company at the time that liked golf at all, um, we started the podcast. We finally got the green light from Dave. And once we started the podcast, that kind of changed everything. Looking back, did you ever think that you would grow foreplay into what it is today? I mean, it's one of the top golf podcasts out there. You're a commissioner now. You have your own fucking golf tournament. That's insane. You have access to the top players in the world, the best events. Is it 
sometimes you just have to sit back and like pinch yourself and shock that you're in this position that you're in today? Yeah. I mean, I would say like a really good example is if I, you know, if I like I, the most frustrated moments that I can have in life are usually like when you hit a shitty golf shot that you know is like you're so much better than that and it's infuriating mm-hmm. and we've all go through it you see guys on tour throw clubs there's endless clips online of people breaking clubs throwing them into the water it's the most frustrating thing in the world and one of my go-to kind of zen things to try to bring myself back into the group and not be like a miserable asshole when that happens is i just think all the time about like dude look at your life right now like it's laughable i'm a nobody. I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. Like my, my parents have supported the hell out of me forever. But like, I ended up, I got to go to Harvard somehow. Like my, my family had very rarely ever been east of the Mississippi river. And I went out there and had this crazy experience. And then now all of a sudden, you know, I went from riding the seven bus in Southie downtown to the financial district, doing this miserable job that I hated to like you just mentioned. I mean, we have a golf tour. Um, there's all kinds of, of, folks on a really high golf echelon list yourself included but you know professional golfers who who like three four years ago if i would have gone to a tournament i just got to see them walk by and like make a comment to their caddy i would have told my friends about it for a decade like, yeah remember when i heard <laughs> that to like you know whatever, whatever yeah and now we have these relationships we can go to these golf courses courses pretty much open their arms and and welcome us and it's it's crazy town so the quick answer is no like not even close and like you mentioned I mean I thought for pretty much my whole life that it would be hockey based um that even if I didn't make it playing professional hockey that I would I would coach or even I thought I'd be a great prep school coach where you live on campus and you sort of help the kids grow and coach them and teach them and that would just be my life and it's a completely different sport and and I suck at it and it's very interesting so the whole thing is um it's a very like pinch yourself every single day that it exists, that people know who we are, that people care who we are, that people, that by people, by the, by the hundreds of thousands tune in to listen to us idiots talk about stuff or put a video on YouTube or whatever. It's uh, it's crazy town. So, so no, a quick answer would be no, I would have never guessed that. <laughs> I think one thing that we've bonded over is the fact that we've done things a little bit different in the golf industry. I remember I mean, the first video I did with Trent, I was hitting a golf ball out of his mouth at like this beaten up uh, double decker range. And then we did our video again at like this public golf course. But now I see you guys, I mean, especially you at Pinehurst and playing Whisper Rock and you're repping G4 and all these really high end brands. Do you almost feel like you've gone too far away from what made foreplay great for, for the common man? And now you're kind of, catering to the elite golfer, which is everything that we really hated. Yeah. I mean, I would say that absolutely crosses our mind, especially when we, when we play certain places, like I've a good amount of times, I'll just try to deny an invite to a private track. <laughs> if like, I think, especially if there's not, that I do not believe if someone's like, Hey, do you want to go play <laughs> Cypress? You're going to be like, you know what? I'm for the common man. We're not going to take it. <laughs> if I, th- it would never be like, um, <laughs> Oh, I'm too common, man. That's going to be a bad, like, look. If there's an yeah. opportunity to kind of showcase a an experience that more of the average golfer gets to experience, um, you know, I'll try to take that as much as possible. And moving to Scottsdale is a great example of, like, there are so many different golf courses around um, that I 
want to try to check off and like even like the views are way higher on a video that's you know if we go film a video from you know cypress or oakmont or something and put it out the views are significantly lower than if we put something out from you know beth page uh even like beth yeah. page blue or something like that because everybody shares it because they're like look they're playing our course that's like i've had that shot before um and so that definitely is something that that we originally focused on a ton and probably um i mean we always would like to but the beauty of golf right is that there's so many different elements to it like when we do showcase a trip like a pinehurst or something you know that same person who goes and plays um you know beth page blue or whatever is you know they might for a year or two years save up with their dad and with their brother or their buddies and like they want to save up and have that iconic golf trip and they want to know what it's like. They want to know which courses they should play. Where should they stay? You know, if we have this budget, you know, what's going to be our best bang for our buck? How can we get a tee time if we're not staying at the Carolina hotel? And so it's, there's always, I think within any experience in golf, there's a way um, to sort of relate it to the common man, the common woman. And even if you do go play a really sick, a Cypress, or an Oakmont or a Wingfoot, like everybody relates to that one time a year, maybe where they, they get the invite from their boss or somebody to go play a private track and talking about how, like, when you walk on property, like you're nervous, you're, do I, I walk in the <laughs> wrong place? It's like, you just forget normal human interaction. Like someone will be like, how are you? And you're just like, I'm sorry. And it's, you know, it's like that. So you can sort of people will vicariously, I guess, live through sort of what we're doing. So, I think even if you are having kind of a high-end experience in golf, um, there's always kind of more common folk humor to be found in in those experiences. And and look, at the end of the day, like golf's expensive. I mean, you know, buying like nice golf polos or shoes, like yeah, it's expensive. And a lot of people, like if you're gonna buy a pair of golf shoes for the year, for example, it's like, well, you don't want to buy a cheap ass pair of golf shoes because that's probably the only pair of golf shoes you're going to buy for a year. So then they're like, okay, Riggs or whoever, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to finally spend a hundred or $200 on golf shoes. Like which one should I rock? Are these companies, I get a million DMs about like, Hey, how do you feel about those G4 Gallivanters? Like, are they comfy or are they yeah. just cool? Because if I'm only going to buy one pair of shoes, I don't want them to just look cool. Like they need to be comfortable. So, you know, I think there's always a way within it to, um, relate it to people and give them good information. But, but yeah, I mean, it's also, if they're in my shoes, of course you're going to go fucking go play Cypress. Like who wouldn't go play Cypress? Well, I'm, I'm kind of mad at you because so they write up these little bios for everyone who's going to be a guest and they wrote one up about you. And in your bio, it says made Tiger Woods laugh twice. I've only made Tiger Woods laugh once. How did you make him laugh twice? Wow. Um, yeah, so the first time I made him laugh was at Shadow Creek, which you were there that day, actually. And he, uh, I, my first question I ever asked Tiger Woods on camera, I believe, was like, hey, man, I'm, I'm, you know, 32 or whatever I was at the time, 31, and I'm very healthy. I've never had any back issues. But like this year, you coming off fusion back surgery and you're looking great. Like I'm thinking about getting fusion back surgery. And he laughed and was like, <laughs> do not do that. Like just... <laughs> please just keep what you have. Like, I don't advise that. Um, and then the second time uh, was when we saw him at Pebble Beach and big, big credit to Joey LaCava, who Joey, like Tiger, we, we were standing next to Tiger for like an hour. It was getting awkward. We're like, 
we're, we're inside the ropes. None of the other media like knew that he was on this putting green, which anybody who's been at Pebble, there's like a main putting green right by all the shops and right behind the first tee. And Tiger was staying for the U.S. Open 2019. He was staying in the lodge. So he legit won, I think it was Monday evening of U.S. Open week. He just walked out of his like hotel in like Nike sneakers and just putted on that green for like an hour. So unless you were just there, you would have not known that he was, he was doing this. It wasn't scheduled, whatever. And we just got lucky and Frankie and Trent were walking by and they're like, holy shit, there's Tiger Woods. It's just like, there's not even a crowd around yet. Uh, so we had our inside the ropes passes and we were able to just kind of stand in there pretty much on the green. And we know Robbie Mack, who's Tiger's guy. And we chatted with Rob for a few minutes and Tiger's five feet away from us just putting. So we're like, he can't not know that like we're friends with his friends. Like we're just, we're buddies with your buddies, man. Like just, just talk to us. Just say hi. <laughs> like something. It's like, cause we're not going to do it. We're like, what am I going to say? Hi. Tiger. Yeah. Just look at me. What are you doing? Like, uh, and then eventually Joey came over and Joey's chat with us. Joey's son at the time, I think was like a senior junior in college and he's a big barstool fan. So I had actually like hung out with Joey a little bit. He's a big Rangers fan. So we would text and talk about the Rangers and what they can do differently and whatever. And so Joey comes over, we're chatting with Joey for like five or 10 minutes. Now we're like, okay, he's caddy, like his best friend, everybody, like his circle is us. Like we're in the circle. What's going on here? And finally he finished up putting. And he uh, walked away. It was like kind of like figuring out what he was going to do, his plan. And he started to walk kind of back towards the lodge. And Joey tapped and was like, hey, by the way, your boys are right there. And he looked over and he kind of recognized us and was like, oh. And he walked over and was like, Riggs, what's going on? What are you doing here? Um, and then I, I just, I don't know why, but I slapped him on the arm. And I was just like, hey, by the way, congrats on winning the Masters. And he <laughs> laughed and was like, how about that shit, huh? And I was just like what world are we living in? Um, and then moments later was the infamous, when he asked Trent, poor Trent, he said, you know, where are you guys stationed? And looked right at Trent. And Trent, I mean, Trent's brain just froze. And he looked at the <laughs> sky and he just was like, uh, you know, Trent had no idea what Tiger Woods could have possibly meant when he asked him like, where are you stationed? He's like, you know, like, the moon? I don't, I don't know where, so. So yeah, that, those were kind of our two main uh, interactions with Tiger. And that's, you know, I mean, of course that's going to be in my bio. I made him laugh. Uh, Tiger's you... the one guy. Oh, so I played in his celebrity event where he was my team captain and we had to pick out walkout songs and I picked It's Hot in Here by Nelly. And then I've been banned ever since. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was at Riviera? Yeah, they play the part where it was like, and take off all your clothes. And I just made like direct eye contact with Tiger. It was the most awkward wow. moment of my life. But he laughed. I mean, he laughed. And so that's all I have. Only one okay. time, though. That's pretty good. That's ballsy move by you. I respect the hell out of that. We have a match coming up. A very important match because you guys are undefeated. The four-play scramble guys are undefeated. And we are going to dethrone you. And I can't wait for it. I'm a little nervous because you're making me play from the tips. And I don't play from the tips that often. But I think I'm ready. Yeah, I mean, there's this whole debate. And you guys were trying to pull a fast one by me of, like, it benefits. It's just we're going to go back to 7,000 yards. The only thing, the only slight advantage that we have is that in the odd chance that we connect with a drive, we hit it farther. So if we can 
drive the ball well off the tee, which I'm not known for, but Frankie and Lurch can drive it pretty <laughs> consistently. Um, you know, I think that we should, on most holes, have shorter shots in. But I would say of the, you know, we beat Kisner. That was a giant upset at Pioneer's number two. The first time we ever did this, we put the, the theory to the test of, like, could four average golfers playing a four-man scramble beat one of the best players in the world? I think Kiz is, like, 25th in the world right now. I, I put out an Instagram poll, I think, the round the day before we played Kiz, and it was, like, 86% of people said we were going to lose. Um, and we shocked the world and we took down kids. Then we played the country music stars, Jake Owen, who's very good players, like a one or a two and Darius Rucker, Morgan Wallen and Hardy. And they just got too drunk. Like, like Jake Owen, was just <laughs> he was just really drunk and he's not I don't, hammered. I don't think he's a big drinker. And so he was like, at one point, Darius just was like, Jake, like, what the fuck are you doing? Like hit, like hit the ball and play. Like, what is Jake? I don't know, man. And so we beat those guys pretty handedly, like they weren't really in the mix at all. Um, I think that this match, I mean, you're just a really, really good player. I mean, you you have legitimately contended, competed, you know, on the professional level. Um, and I think that a lot of people probably wouldn't know that or would be surprised and people are such idiot haters, but like your game is, is tight. You don't make many mistakes. Um, and when you're aided by three other people who also can very much play, I think this is going to be our tallest task for sure. So, so yeah, I mean, we're, we're prepared for the first time. I would say like kids, the course was so hard that we knew kids wasn't going to be able to make a lot of birdies. Uh, Piners number two, 7,600 yards. We were like, we're just, gonna, yeah, it's a hard course. Yeah. And like, we're going to par him to death and hope that he makes some mistakes. US Open court. And we just had some clutch moments and we were able to win one up. Uh, the country music stars, they just didn't make many birdies either. They were just too drunk. This time, I think, like, you guys are going to make a lot of birdies. So I think that we're going to, we're just going to have to make a ton of birdies. And I don't know how capable we are of that. So, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be a very tall task. Are you guys going to bring the shit talking? Because I feel like sometimes you don't really lay it on that thick with me. You let me say what I need to say. And then you're, you're pretty nice to me. But I, I hope you guys can bring it. Yeah, it's hard not to be – I'm like – I'm almost like one of the internet trolls that I described. It's like, you know, uh, real tough guy with the keyboard or whatever, but then we're hanging out, and I'm just like, yeah, Paige, like, great shot <laughs> the whole time. So <laughs> it's also, I show no mercy. <laughs> yeah, it's also – it's tough because, like, you don't make, like I said, that many mistakes. It's like I don't – you can roast me easily because I just hit horrible shots all the time, but it's very hard to be – you know, if you just if you just keep hitting it down the middle and hitting it on the green and getting up and down, you don't. It's like, what am I going to like? Oh, mediocre chip there. It's like, what am I going to say? <laughs> it's just it's tough. Now, in this environment, hopefully there are some moments where you choke and hit some bad shots. And if that happens, I will have no choice but to pounce. I have to know, is there a place where we can watch this? Like, I need to see this in action. Is there any way? So, yeah. So we're going to go. You know, our typical broadcasting schedule, we go live on Foreplay Instagram, and then we'll put a lot of clips out on Twitter, but we'll go live on our Instagram throughout the whole time. Um, I would guess like Paige probably have somebody there who could who could go live at some point from your account because you may people may not notice, but you have like the most followers in, in the world of golf. Um, so, so yeah, we'll go live a few times and then we do a very 
you know, highly produced edit. Our guys, Jake and Brendan and Frankie and a lot of this, where they will have drones up. We'll have, I think, four camera guys that'll be there. Um, and we'll have an audio guy. So it takes a week or two because they got to go through. We'll have eight people mic'd up and we'll have golf shots you can't even imagine being hit. Uh, so it takes them a week or two. But then we'll put out on YouTube a uh, very, very highly produced video that kind of includes a bunch of different angles and pretty much every shot that was hit. And those will live there forever and do well. But, yeah, we'll be live on Foreplay. And I, I would encourage Paige to go live at some point as well because I think people will be excited to tune in. I will definitely be going live. And where else can they find you on social media? Um, well, our we're at Foreplay Pod is our accounts on Twitter and on Instagram. I'm at Riggs Barstool on Twitter and on Instagram. I put up a lot of uh, stories and things that folks can reply <laughs> mean things to if they would like. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, we're pretty much, we're always out there. We do two podcasts a week so they can find us whenever they're, um, you know, finished listening to the lovely page sporadic. They can find us for play. We do two shows a week, every Tuesday and every Thursday. So, so yeah, we're out there and, um, and our YouTube, I mean, you're on YouTube a lot too. People love YouTube. Uh, so we're <laughs> for play golf on YouTube as well. So there's, um, like I said, there's, we're, we're everywhere. We're anywhere you can be. It'll be an interesting match, but again, thank you so much for coming on today. I really enjoyed it. I'm sure everyone's going to love all this insight as well. So again, thank you, Riggs. Thank you, Paige. Wow, that was a full, full episode of so many different things. I think we covered so many different topics from golf to boxing to my match with Riggs to relationships. I mean, so, so much. So I hope you guys enjoyed listening today and we will see you guys. Oh, I always do that. See you guys you next so week. Close. I did it again. I almost made it through the episode. Yeah, now it's we, your thing. You, I know. I'll just... Always fuck it up at the end. Uh, but we'll see you, hear you, be here, whatever. You guys know where to find us. We're at the Playing Around Instagram account. Send us any questions for next episode at par at iheartradio.com. And always just keep listening to us and leave those five-star reviews. Leave those nice messages. We always like seeing that and seeing the support. So, again, thanks, guys. Hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Follow Playing Around with Paige Renee on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.